1: You have truth, or you have error. You have fact, or you have fiction.
0: And now, we go into the thick of it.
1: Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh.
2: Erin Addison's.
1: On American Family Radio, welcome to the Friday edition of Erin the Addison's, where on occasion... We try to do a little bit of a lighter show on Friday, but we've got a couple issues that I really want to have a conversation around just as we go into the weekend. And so we're going to start talking about what's happening in Mississippi, but we'll end up taking a look at what's happening on a national level as it pertains to our churches Mm. and gathering in this country. And so um, the backdrop for the conversation today is this question do we have a double standard for defining essential services and Mm. essential workers in this country? Mm. That's the question. And of course we'll give you the opportunity to weigh in on that in the last segment of the show, but let's just set up and get into this segment because we do have Mississippi representative Stacey Wilkes on with us to help us make sense of what's happening in Mississippi. But -hmm. before we start talking about it, I want to give our listeners just a little bit of background so that we all come to the conversation on the same playing field on March 19th, uh, Dr. Thomas Dobbs, state health officer in Mississippi, um, issued a statewide health alert to postpone elective medical procedures and non-essential medical visits. He cited the reason for the postponement was the shortage of medical supplies. Um, he went on to say that given the ongoing spread of COVID-19 In the state of Mississippi, and the shortage of protective medical equipment, as we commonly hear all throughout the day and every news story that we read, PPE, Mm -hmm. um, elective (laughs) medical procedures and uh, non-essential medical visits must be postponed. Now, for those of us in the pro-life community, we were looking at this and we were saying, well, this has got to apply to, obviously, the non-medically necessary procedure of taking human life. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And in fact, we saw this happen in um, Texas and in Louisiana, and we were rejoicing. Mm -hmm. We were saying, oh, my goodness, you know, right now in this country, these states um, are not aborting babies. And we thought this was phenomenal. However, something crazy is happening in the state of Mississippi. And I would say you would think that this would be least likely to happen um, in the state of Mississippi. We have one abortion facility that remains open. This um, absurdly painted pink house, which I think misrepresents what it does uh, in Jackson, Mississippi, is still performing abortions. But not only that, people, they're performing more abortions than usual because surrounding states are now kind Shut of down. flooding in yeah. these women from their states mm-hmm. who, because of the measures that are in place, cannot
2: Have murder be. their yeah. babies
1: in those states. Yeah. So they're coming to Mississippi to murder babies. And uh, we in Mississippi are imploring our governor mm-hmm. to, um, to shut it down. Yeah. I mean, why, why are we why? shutting down dentist offices? Exactly. And why are we saying, you can't use this medical equipment for this? But we, sure enough, are going to allow for babies to be murdered here. And so to help us make sense of this is uh, Mississippi Representative Stacey Wilkes. Stacey, mm-hmm. thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Oh,
3: absolutely. Thank you all for having me.
1: So I gave a little bit of the background here. Um, What needs to happen immediately?
3: Well, actually, um, you know, I've had a lot of calls and um, texts and um, people concerned, just as I am, about the abortion still taking place. And um, I um, have um, actually spoken with the um, governor's office just a short while ago, and they are in the process right now of issuing an, an order. That was, um, or if they weren't in order right now, that was top to surgery. So that's wonderful news. The mm-hmm. doctor has heard our concerns, and um, we're going to put a stop to that in Mississippi because here in Mississippi, we value life. Awesome. Would, would
2: that, would that, would that mm-hmm. be effective immediately? Is that a, something that would happen, like, starting tomorrow, today, whenever?
3: They did not tell me that, but I'm okay. pretty sure it will. I'm okay. pretty sure it will be sooner than later. Yeah, But as far as a definite time, I do not and have then, that. I know that the order is in the—they're working on the order right now.
2: Okay.
1: But I okay, know and there, then would we expect to see—
3: They're very concerned about that. Mm-hmm. And um, not just, like you said, abortions taking place for Mississippians, but out-of-state um, folks as well. So I'm glad that's going to be coming to an
1: end. Awesome. Okay, no, that's great, and and I appreciate. I mean, we are a pro life state. We have many in our state who are concerned about the shedding of innocent blood, and so then my question is, um, you know, based on what Governor Reeves. Um, has been quoted as saying, and you know, if there's a if there's a violation of you know these measures that we've put in place to um, protect healthcare workers and to get the supplies that we desperately need to those who are on the front lines of fighting this pandemic, um, and speaking specifically of this abortion facility in Jackson, that they should be following the guidelines as offered by the state Department of Health, and if they are not, then the governor said that he himself would be prepared to take additional action uh, to make sure that they did that. So I'm glad to hear that we're in the process that this is moving forward. My question is, then would this facility be shut down um, until all of these, and maybe ban is not the right word, but until all of these measures sort of come to an end, would this be something that we could expect to go on for at least as long as dentists are not able to perform medical procedures?
3: I did not get any specifics on what the order would say but I would assume so because we want, right now, we want all of our equipment. You know, PPE is short everywhere, and we need all of our PPE going to um, our hospitals and medical professionals who are out there um, saving lives and risking their own lives. So we need to protect them, and so I would I would just assume that. And um, if that isn't the case, then we'll have to take a look at that and try to, um, try to rectify that, but I would assume so because I think the governor's goal is just like our role is to um, give the PPE to um, the folks that need it right now. And um, I would imagine that that would stay in place until the PPE is no longer an issue. The
2: question I have is, you know, Mm. just seeing, like, other states, you know, already do uh, this, why so long in Mississippi? Like, what is it uh, that's happening, you know, internally that maybe the the normal, you know, regular citizen don't see uh, with this fight? Like, why why has it taken – uh, this long to for a state like Mississippi to um, to have this come about.
3: I can't answer that. The only thing I can say is I think um, that when the governor first issued his order about nonessential, um, you know, medical um, practices to cease, that that should have been included in that, and I think his intentions were for mm-hmm. it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but as to why that it's, you know um, it's taken this long. I can't answer that. I'm sure he's got his hands full, but um, this is a priority to a lot of people and mm-hmm. listening to getting it done. But I'm not, I'm, I can't give you an answer to that.
1: Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. It's it's one that I think many of us would wonder about, especially in a pro-life state mm-hmm. like uh, Mississippi, right. uh, Mississippi representative exactly. Stacy Wilkes um, joins us uh, to discuss what measures we're taking to protect life when we're trying to save um, personal protective equipment and I just
4: <laughs> yeah. I just
1: don't understand it just kind of defies logic that we would say uh, murdering babies would be an essential service um, not not you know in any kind of literal way but essentially this is what is happening when we still have people who are flooding into our state to murder their babies taking advantage of the fact that we still have a facility open um, Mississippi Representative Stacey Wilkes thank you so much well, for joining us says, we appreciate your work on this
3: though, that also goes to show though that your um, businesses who care that really show that they care on um, mm-hmm. your dentist offices and uh, dermatology and all these other offices that are closing and, and donate the PPE or not using PPE for for these things have, have voluntarily done that and so that mm-hmm. also I think speaks volumes to the abortion clinic that they weren't really concerned with that and that they just kept going. But um, anyway, I'm happy That's now. A great I hate point. that it's um, later than sooner, but now at least we have the order coming and I'm glad to see that that will
1: be stopped. Yeah, I'm glad about that. That's great. No, that is an excellent point. Thank you so much, Representative Wilkes. We appreciate you joining us today. That is an excellent point that she made. It really does show the lack of care and the lack of compassion. But I mean, of course, this industry is just characterized by a lack of care and a lack of compassion. By definition, when you are murdering innocent babies, you do not care. You do not have compassion. It is not an essential service, nor has it ever been one. And especially in a time like this, to have these abortion clinics still trying to fight for their prerogative to murder babies is just something that is yeah. outrageous. It is outrageous to think about. I mean, here we are, and we're going to get into this a little bit as we continue on. I guess we can continue on as we go to the break. Yeah. Um, but let me just say this. The American Family Association is going to keep watching.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, We're we're
1: watching. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Can I just say that with this, you know, maybe you call that a nervous laugh or whatever. I don't know. (laughs) But we're watching and and we're going to continue responding. There are going to be many more calls to action. If things don't change, we expect them to change. But if not, expect more calls to action. And I think that everyone all across this country need to be watching in your state because when you are being quarantined or told to self-quarantine, right, when Mm -hmm. you are being made to stay home and then you're being guilted to stay home. You don't care about yourself. You don't care about your fellow Americans. If you're going out and you're doing, engaging in non-essential activity. And so then you feel guilty. You feel like you want to be a good patriot. So you want to stay home. You want to protect the country. You want the economy to come roaring back. So you're doing everything that it takes, right? Mm. You're doing all of the, the responsible things. Or at least that's what you think you're doing. But then you've got other people around here. And this is, and this is where we're going to get really, really into the thick of it because we have watched and we have observed. And I think, Will agree, I think that you mm-hmm. and I, um just between the two of us, we've talked about this behind mm-hmm. the scenes, but we agreed that we would not uh comment on this publicly mm-hmm. um, because it it seemed to be such a polarizing discussion, oh, one yeah. that I think churches <laughs> yeah. were well capable of having on their own, yeah, okay, definitely um however, let me just say this, I think we're at the point where at the very least, we need to have a conversation around the question that we started out with. Mm -hmm. Do we have a double standard in this country when it comes to defining essential services and essential workers? Do we have a double standard? Yeah. And what I am observing increasingly is that we do.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I agree.
1: Let me just, look, whenever it becomes apparent that an essential service like the CBD store Or the liquor store. Right.
2: Okay. (laughs) Or
1: the gaming store. Right. Or, okay, you know, when these places are essential services and they cannot, they cannot be shut down. All right. These, these stores need to be open. I mean, just, when was it? Wednesday? I Mm -hmm. guess it was Wednesday. We were listening to the governor of our state um, be asked the question. Uh, In Mississippi. In Mississippi. Listening to the governor of Mississippi be asked the question as to whether or not liquor stores were going to shut down. Right. And the response was, "No, liquor stores are not going to shut down because what? Because why? Because that's an essential service." And, and
2: let me say this: even I, I was listening to a, a press conference in uh, in Louisiana, and they made a point to say that this does this does not include liquor stores, like they are essential.
3: So <laughs> let me say this, I was like, and this is man. the
1: this is the tightrope that we walk in this country, and I think, well, this is the. This is the point that you were making just a few days ago when we were talking about this and talking about maybe why it might be more difficult for us as Americans to slow or to stop the spread of COVID-19. And one of those things is because of the independence that is just woven into the fabric of this country. Mm -hmm. We don't like being told what to do. Look, I am not an advocate for, oh, yeah, just, you know, forcibly shut down people's businesses. I I am not an advocate for that. I'm not an advocate for stripping people of their freedoms and stripping people of their liberties. I mean, I think that goes without saying. And so I've, I've tried to just watch what some churches are doing. Mm -hmm. And I've tried to watch and and I'm asking myself the question as I as I look at what some churches are doing. I'm saying, is this faith? Is this boldness? Or is this reckless? Mm -hmm. Is this careless? Mm -hmm. And those are the questions that I'm asking. And and what I want to do is I want to paint just with a broad brush. And I want to have a conversation around this, because increasingly, I think the question doesn't need to be. Should churches be made to shut down? Should churches be forced to shut down for this particular period of time? I don't think that needs to be the question. I think the question is bigger than that. The question is, how do you define what is essential in our country? That's good. That's the question. And that's where I think the Christian has a vested interest in caring Mm. about what is defined as essential. Yeah. All right. If we need people to numb their pain with alcohol, if we need people to escape with CBD. But we are saying people of faith cannot mutually encourage one another, which is, in fact, absolutely what Hebrews encourages us to do. Come together to encourage one another. Yeah. Then we have a problem in this country that goes well beyond us outrunning COVID-19. Come on now. So I want to have a conversation around that today. We'll do it when we get back. Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Don't worry, the phone lines will be open in the third segment, and you can jump in as well. Stay close.
2: I believe God sent his saints around the world to tell the people about his name. That his son was slain so that we could be forgiven. There's eternal life for believing and repenting. With that in mind, I'm called to go. With that in mind, I'm
1: called to go.
2: It's, it's deeper than deep hard bars and track and You get a medal for
1: music this My week, Will the Great. <laughs> like, your song is... <laughs> This is, your songs have been perfect, coming in and out of the breaks. Like, I mean, you get a medal, okay? You right, get a medal take it. for the music this week. It's just a perfect setup. So that I needed a little bit of rap, and um, also the message. Um, you know, we're called to go. <laughs> we're called to go outside. People are like Mickey. What are you saying? That's tongue in cheek. Everybody, relax. Right. <laughs> but, right. but I am gonna have a serious conversation. Um, And and hopefully we can be we can reason together before we get into what we want to talk about. um, Let me just start with this scripture. I want to come back with this uh, verse. Well, uh, I guess I need to say welcome back. This is airing the Addisons on American Family Radio. I'm Miki.
2: And I'm Will. And that's Tone Spain. We'll go outside.
1: But with six feet of distance. Yeah, yeah. Okay, six feet of space, like all the songs that will be rewritten during the covid era, um, you know, I, I don't know. I had a conversation just incidentally I had a conversation with uh, your son, your your oldest son mm-hmm. yesterday because he wanted to go outside. Right. and He wanted to play. Right. And right. Um, and you <laughs> said to him, just make sure you keep your distance, son. Like, exactly. you you know, we, we are not this is not, you know, it's not like normal. normal they want to wrestle
2: and like stuff. In like, no. Yeah. S- six feet.
1: And so we were talking, we're standing in the kitchen, and, and he was like, okay, got it. So we're not wrestling like normal. No, you're not. You and your buddies are not no. throwing each other in the grass like normal, coming in here, smelling like cows and horses. You're not going to be doing that. You know. So I don't know what you're going to do, but it's not going to be that. And I, I said to him, I said, six feet is a wider distance or greater distance than you think it is. And so he was standing there kind of still with that head tilt that your pets do. <laughs> when you're telling them something and they don't understand, and so I said we're talking two yardsticks here. So he looks around, and then we have a yardstick. So he grabs the yardstick, and we have to full-on measure. Like I have to show him what six feet of of space looks like between two individuals. And he goes, "That's a lot more than I thought." I know, mm-hmm. son. And that's what I'm telling you. You just have to be careful. We have to use wisdom. We don't want to be afraid. I'm not trying to, you know. Yeah, i trying to keep you you know
2: it's, it's it's weird it's inconvenient you know and it's just different you know i was in a store and they had the tape on the floor you know you had this everybody had to stand because
1: we don't know what that looks like right we don't know what's everybody had to stand
2: behind <laughs> tape and it was like six feet in between each one it was, it was oh, weird goodness. looking it was like wow you yeah. know but anyway
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's just a change it's it a, is. it's a change that you know we we have not been here before, and so all of us, we need to receive grace and extend grace. I mean, and if we do this, right, then nobody lacks grace. If we're receiving it and extending it, then mm-hmm. nobody's lacking in the whole grace area. So anyway, but here's the scripture we're talking about. The question is whether or not we have a double standard in the United States of America when it comes to defining what is essential and what is non-essential um, service, okay? What yeah. needs to operate? What does not need to operate? What it takes for people to get through um this coronavirus pandemic and what it doesn't take and that's where i want to jump in it's like a game of double dutch <laughs> you know i've been watching the ropes go up and down and up and down and and i'm like oh i don't want to get in on that
2: right <laughs> i don't want to get in
1: on that but now as you know the more you look at this and we're going to talk about what's going on with hobby lobby as well i'm like mm, i'm in I'm, I'm jumping in because okay. i want to have right. a conversation here's why will because when we are um, When we are not discerning, mm-hmm. I always say in a conversation, and this may be a little bit of my public relations background, but I always I watch and I listen for subjective language. Mm-hmm. I look at I, I look at what people are, are doing and what they're saying, but I'm also trying to observe where this potentially goes once the conversation stops here.
3: Uh So when we're
1: no longer talking about Uh COVID-19, what language has been used that could later be regurgitated under different circumstances and applied?
2: And that's that's what every
1: Christian needs to be thinking about. Not like, okay, what are they doing right now? It's not just what people are doing. It's what people are doing and it's what people are saying along with
2: what they're doing. Like I heard, I saw (laughs) a clip with uh, Mayor de Blasio saying, you know, that, places synagogues and churches that don't abide by what's going like the shutdown that's going on you know he's this is what he said you know they can face being closed permanently now if he meant just during this crisis i don't know maybe that's what he meant but i'm listening to words like that and i'm thinking wow that's yeah that's a different choice of words to use for you know permanently you know yeah
1: i'll i'll see you the permanently statement Um, Mm -hmm. By the way, Mayor de Blasio of New York City Mm -hmm. made these comments at the end of March, March 27th, during a press briefing Mm -hmm. where he talked about a small number of religious communities, specific churches and specific synagogues are unfortunately, and I'm quoting him here, unfortunately not paying attention to this guidance, even though it's so widespread. He went on and this is what he said, quote, it's the last thing I would like to do because I understand how important people's faiths are to them. And we need our faiths in this time of crisis, but we do not need gatherings that will endanger people. Now, here we go to your permanently. I would like to raise you this statement that he also made at the same press briefing. Here is what he said, quote, no faith tradition endorses anything that endangers the members of that faith, end quote. Now, that to me is one of those Hmm. statements of subjectivity that I go. How do you determine that what this particular church gathering is doing is a danger to its members or Mm. a danger to its congregants? So now what you're saying, because imagine that you have churches who are saying, well, we have actually worked out a system Mm -hmm. where there's no more than 10 people gathered. Right. Imagine you have churches who are saying we've actually worked out a rotation where members can come and we actually have seats marked. I know that churches in Florida are doing this. Mm -hmm. We have seats marked where people will not sit closer than six feet apart. Mm -hmm. So if a church is doing this, who are you with this sweeping statement to say that I know that no faith tradition endorses anything that endangers the members of that faith? Because here now what is so subjective about the word endanger Mm. All right. So now what 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 is dangerous to you, Mayor de Blasio? What is dangerous to you? You see, this is how we have these terms that just kind of pop up. And then you wonder, well, what will people do with. Like health Mm -hmm. for the health of individuals, Mm -hmm. right? This is where we get to mental health, and this is why we are now saying that to help someone who is struggling with unwanted sexual identity issues or unwanted same sex attraction, we can't do it because it's not helpful to their health. You understand. Mm. But but before we get here and understand how they're going to redefine terms, they just start batting these terms around. And we all think that we understand and are all defining these words the same way. And we are not. We Mm. are not all defining these words the same way. So when Mayor Bill de Blasio says one, okay, you threaten to shut down synagogues and churches permanently. I I, want to be nice. Um, (laughs) Let me just say this. That statement is idiotic. Yeah. All right. It is unconstitutional. No one's going to roll over and let you do something like that. You need to walk it back immediately. Like that's dumb. That's yeah. dumb. Yeah. Right. It's, it's an overstatement. It's a reckless statement. It's an emotional statement. You need to walk it back. Number one, that's dumb. But then in addition to that, when you're saying that no faith tradition endorses anything that endangers the members of that faith. Well, I mean, I think we have 2000 years of church history of people living for the glory of God and it put them in danger mm. It put them in peril
2: mm-hmm.
1: now. And I'm not talking about putting them in danger where, you know, they go and blow themselves up or where right, they right, go right. to hurt other people right. where, no, they are on the receiving end of the attacks because they name Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Right. You understand? So this is a semantics dance that we don't want to get in on with de Blasio.
2: Right, this is right. so
1: you don't tell me what I can and cannot do because it's dangerous. OK, don't tell me that hmm. if you are saying that there are certain guidelines, if there's a guidance in place and this is what we are strongly suggesting and we are imploring churches, we are imploring synagogues to employ these measures, then you're fine. You're on good ground.
2: But the thing is, Meek, do you have um, other Christians who are going beyond this is a uh, we implore you. We suggest they're saying like, man, everything should just be shut down. Like, just shut it down. I don't care, like how small your church is or how you you have worked it out. It's, it's unwise for you to meet at all because. And then they're circulating stories about people who have died or have you know there was a choir uh, rehearsal and one person came in and and uh it spread this this virus. So you mm-hmm. have you have Christians who are saying the same thing. And I think that's going to be where – I think that's where the tension lies because then you have some that say, well, we are are following the guidelines and we are doing this and we're doing that. We just still believe that we're supposed to be meeting uh, according to our interpretation of of what's written. But on the other side, you have the opposite.
1: Yeah. See, that's where where I want to be careful, Will the Great. And I want to steer clear of telling churches – what they should and shouldn't do. And I'm going to tell you why. Mm -hmm. Now I have an opinion about that. Mm -hmm. I have an opinion about that. Um, But I, all right. So here's my opinion. Mm -hmm. All right. And then of course the phone lines will be open. We can have a conversation around this with a larger audience. Okay. Here is my opinion. I think for the body of Christ to be um, actively employing, or applying what the word of God says means that we don't give up the fellowship of the believer. Now, what we do today in our churches has, excuse the word, evolved over time. All right. The way we gather and the way we now fellowship and the things that are components of the way we get together have changed over time. Mm -hmm. So not to overuse this word, But I think that believers need to go to the scriptures to determine what is essential for the healthy function of the church. Mm -hmm. Like what are the things that you say, well, we're not giving this up because we're instructed not to give this up. And then I would, I would also add this. I do not think that believers need to eat each other.
2: Right. It makes me sick. Right.
1: It makes me very sad. I do not think that faithful dedicated Bible-believing Christians need to put gun in hand and turn on other faithful, dedicated Bible-believing Christians. If there are some pastors who say, you know what, we've got a really large congregation or we've got a congregation that is comprised of elderly um, congregants and and we want to be careful. So this is what we're doing. I don't think that other congregations need to turn around and go, you guys don't have faith. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, you're you setting us up. Oh, see, you're the ones who are going to get the mark of the beast. These are some of the things right. I've seen, Will. Yeah. These are some of the things I've seen. And, and, and they really, you know, I don't want to overexpress here, but they disgust me. I don't think that that's the type of position that we need to take because at the same time, that we are people of faith. I am also reminded that Paul told Timothy to have a little wine for his stomach issues. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there was prayer and there was action. Do you understand? Why am I saying that? I'm saying, because if there are people who, while we are praying in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, who elect to not meet the way they have traditionally met. Now, notice Mm. I personally am not advocating a complete and total shutdown how do you how are right. you going to quarantine jesus
2: <laughs> right
1: how are you gonna shut down the move of the spirit of god among his people so
2: so but but so the the measures that are being taken you know which i'm fine with you know because there's some churches that are like well we're we gonna do live stream or we're gonna do uh, a zoom and i understand that you know um so what, what do you do with the tension there? You know, because so, some people say like, well, it's not the same as, and it's, and it's true. It's not the same as getting together physically, you know, but you have some larger churches that have, have moved to the method of using more of the uh, technology to be able to still have services. Like, is there, is there a, a I won't say a lack on that part, but Listen, do we still have the fellowship like we should?
1: Technology never has been, nor is it now a substitution for biblical parameters for the the church body. Amen. Never. Never. So this is not a long-term change that anybody needs to embrace. There's too many together um we um there are too many words that imply to us not imply that are very explicit in the scripture in the scriptures that mean to us we have to be together. To discharge these things like there's I don't I don't know what's going on with each other and one another if I'm clicked to join. Amen. I agree. Click to join. I agree. What pastor is going to give an account for my soul if my membership is, quote unquote, paid online and I'm clicked to join. Now, look, I know that's going to upset some people, but we have to be biblical saints. We have to be biblical in all of the things that we're doing. We want to get as close to the straight edge as possible. So if we are caring for one another and praying for one another, Mm -hmm. and if we are accountable to and for one another, how do we do that in virtual reality when I can create whatever you want to see? There's no way. That's true.
2: So it's not, it's not a long-term thing, but but let me say this. I I really believe that churches going forward since we we've had the situation come up and I'm thinking mainly, well, all churches, but bigger churches especially have to have a way to, that your congregation can break up into in, smaller groups, whether that be in homes or oh, some kind of way, you know, to where there's still this uh, koinonia, this true yes. fellowship happening. Yes. You know, if there can't be the, the main big meeting in the main big sanctuary and all that stuff, there still has to be some type of breakdown, you know, of the local assembly that, that brothers and sisters, families are getting together and, and having tr- true fellowship and, and ministry.
1: No, absolutely. I agree 100%. And this is, I'm going to say this lovingly and respectfully of all of the elders and all of the pastors who labor on our behalf. I thank God for these men who labor on our behalf, who sacrifice. But this is an additional component to that sacrifice where maybe it's the pastor and a team of elders who strategically decide how we're going to continue um, submitting to the word of God in the midst of COVID-19 mm-hmm. like that's the kind of prayer and that's the kind of strategy that must be employed and the church has always operated with these two planks prayer and strategy and it's in prayer that the Holy Spirit gives the strategy we don't just take our hands off the wheel and say you know what it's gonna all straighten out mm-hmm. it's no, that's not what we're doing what we are doing is continuing to lean on the Lord and not dismiss what God has called us to do our brothers and sisters in China in Nigeria Man, look, long before COVID-19, they have still been getting together when it could have been perilous for them. When it is perilous for them. We'll grab the break and be right back. Stay close.
5: What does it take to live an uncommon life? Here's former Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment.
6: A family from Indianapolis lost their daughter, Tessa, a student at the University of Tampa, in a car accident. When Tessa's father spoke at the memorial service, he noted that while he and his family were grieving, they took solace in knowing that they would see Tessa again. And then he said, but for those of you who don't believe in Jesus, you've seen Tessa for the last time. Then he urged each person there to enter into a relationship with Christ. Jesus is the one and only way to an everlasting life with God. Have you shared, taught, and ingrained that within your family so that each one of them is a child of the living Lord?
5: Tony Dungy, author of the popular Uncommon book series. More at CoachDungy.com. That's CoachDungy.com.
1: in on this song i mean we'll do it because we had to go we had to get some calls in um but this is another one a plus plus there you go
2: well i mean
1: what a great way for us to just round out the week will the great i appreciate what you do thank you so much for not only engaging me but watching the board and paying attention to everything else there's so much that goes on There's so many different glitches that people don't see, and yet still, thank you for talking to me. I appreciate it. I really, really do. That rhymes. We'll put it in a poem. Maybe recycle it around February 14th, 2021. We'll just see. We'll just see what happens. Uh, Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Um, We are believers. Yes. We are, okay? We are not just pundits. We're not just commentators. We are believers. So everything that we are trying to discuss and all of the filters have to go through our biblical conviction. We need to return to a biblical worldview. If ever we had one, uh, we need a biblical worldview. Anyways, I'm Miki.
2: And I'm Will, and that's Path of Revelation with Believers.
1: I'm going to get the phone lines open so people can start calling and try to get some of these calls on a little bit earlier rather than later, um, as is my custom, so that we (laughs) can hear from more of you. I know that people have an opinion about this, and I want to hear it. 888 589 8840 888 589 8840 this is the topic if we can stick to the topic i'd appreciate it we're going to have the call screened if it's a topic for a different day then let's let's leave it for a different day but very specifically here is the question i'm asking do we have a double standard for defining essential services and non-essential services in this country do we have a double standard when we define essential workers and non-essential workers in this country and I want to hear from you 888-589-8840 I want to read this scripture here in Hebrews chapter 10 I'm going to start at verse 23 and continue to 25 this is what the Bible tells us the Bible says Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 Mm -hmm. let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day, capital D, drawing near. Mm. Man, there's so many one another's just in that short little passage there that you read. The things that require that we are in fellowship with each other. Now, listen, I understand that in the era of COVID-19, we are doing things differently. We have guidance in place and we respect that. Um, I could do another show on maybe how we could have maybe rolled out some of the guidance, you know, but that's looking back and hindsight is always perfect. Right. So I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to, you know, join everybody who's doing that. Um, But the question is, is the gathering of the body of Christ essential? Is it non-essential? And should we be looking for government entities to define that for us? Mm. And I think that's the thing that we have to be on guard about um i know that uh, down in florida mm-hmm. that pastor rodney howard brown of uh of um What's Revival International Ministries was arrested for violating the state's order, banning large worship gatherings. He is now being uh, represented by Liberty Council. Mm -hmm. The things that we don't know, you see the story of pastor arrested for holding these services and all of that. But the things that we don't know is that he actually had some measures in place, according to Liberty Council, where he was limiting the amount of people in the church at one time and then also had chairs marked for spacing. Wow. So, you know, these are things that I'm I'm saying, you know,
2: and I've heard a couple of <sighs> stories like that, like that one. There was another one, too. I mean, that, this is that that is happening where, you mm-hmm. know, p- the police are being sent and, and to break up the meetings and stuff like that, where, you know, one story I, I read, the guy, the pastor was like, we only had eight people here. Like we, we mm-hmm. are under the guidelines. We're not doing anything against the guidelines, but they still were made to, you know, uh, break up the gathering.
1: There's a church, another church, and then we'll go to our first call. Um, There was a church, uh, the River Church at Tampa Bay,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um, or in Tampa Bay, that spent $100,000 on special equipment and enforced a six-foot separation throughout the sanctuary and the lobby. Wow. So if churches are doing what stores are doing, what special service centers, let's just call them that, okay, Mm -hmm. are doing... Um, why is it this, you know, even among the body of Christ, why are we looking and saying, no, even if you only have 10 people here, you shouldn't meet. And yet you can find Lowe's and you can find Home Depot (laughs) and you can find Sam's. Um, They have more than 10 people. And I understand that they have supplies and things that here we go. Here's the word (laughs) are essential. Essential. (laughs) Let me say this one other thing here. Um, We have to understand the purpose of the body of Christ. It is not just for you to be entertained on Sunday by a great message. Mm. And when we reduce the gathering of the saints to that, then it's very easy to just give it up. Yeah. Now, again, I'm not trying to come down hard on anybody, You're on right, any though. place, but I'm get in the word and see what the word teaches about the urgency of the gathering of the believers. As the day approaches, Mm -hmm. what they did as they gathered, it wasn't just so they could be entertained. Do you understand? Mm. So, I don't want us to have this become a new normal where people are like, well, yeah, I can do it because every Sunday, all I'm doing is going and listening. So, I can just turn that mm. on. Get the computer fired up, Brenda. Mm. That's not the body of Christ. Man, you're so right. And about I don't that. ever want that to become the definition that we go by or the standard that we use to define the body of Christ. And I'm going to tell you something you better be careful in the United States that you don't let people who have sinister motives. Think that you think that's the body of Christ. Mm. All right. Will wow. No, great.
2: <laughs> Where do we go first? Mm. All right. Let's go to Bobby in
0: Texas. Hi, Bobby. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen, ladies. Uh, the essentials. Mm-hmm. Mm, what a powerful word. Because <laughs> it boils down to uh, what I need, mm. what I want. There ain't but five things in life a man or woman needs, and there are in this order. Jesus, air, water, food, then shelter. Everything else I want, and everything else is permissible, as long as it is used in moderation. (laughs) I will not forsake the assembly of the saints. I will not have my liberty transported trampled upon. For Thomas Jefferson was so intelligent about, we are endowed by our Creator through the inalienable rights of Mm. life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The man knew to put the word pursuit of happiness in front of it, because happiness is a pursuit. Joy comes from the Lord. Mm. Happiness is a derivative (laughs) of joy. If more people would dig into the father's word, understand who the father is, we would all be a lot better off because no weapon formed against me will prosper. Amen, Come on, Bobby. Bobby. <laughs> did
1: I ever tell y'all I'm from Texas? Thank you, Bobby. <laughs> I appreciate you, Bobby. I'm from Texas. Did I ever tell people that? Yeah. People did. know that? Yeah. People know that my you dad's name is Bobby as well? Yeah. People know? I just. <laughs> all right. Where do we go next, Will the Great?
2: All right. Let's go to Jason in North Carolina. Hi, Jason.
6: Uh, good afternoon. How are y'all doing?
2: Doing fine.
1: Hello.
6: All right. Uh, quickly, my point of view. All right. I live in a rural area in North Carolina, Eastern North Carolina. Mm-hmm. The church that I know I attend, uh, probably 100 members on roll, and I don't know, if maybe 50, 60 on any given Sunday. Mm-hmm. The last time we met was two weeks ago. Uh, we maybe had 30 people. Mm-hmm. Easily... I kept up with social distancing, but for some reason, and congregation, as far as I know, was not included in the decision, they decided two weeks ago to quit having church. Mm -hmm. Uh, Same reason everybody else is. So we started going to a church down the road. They did groups of 10 for Sunday school for Mm -hmm. the first Sunday,
5: Mm -hmm.
6: which we uh, went with. And last Sunday, we actually did a parking lot service. Mm. Uh, Everybody stayed in your car. They put the PA system outside. And quite frankly, it, it worked great. It really did. Hmm. And my personal point of view is, and this goes for mega churches, this goes for small churches, all across the board, our point as Christians is to be salt and light in the world to look different than everyone else, to be different than everyone else. If we are not meeting for church in any way, shape, form, or fashion, when people drive by the empty church parking lot on a Sunday morning going going well to the grocery store or doing something else that they consider essential, and we are not there. It looks like we live in the same sphere that they do. Mm. We preach mm. that they need to trust God, but we are not showing that we trust God. Wow. Mm. So that's my mm. point of view. We need to have parking lots full if it's just people sitting in the cars and having a service, mm. because that is showing the hope that we have in Jesus and the trust that we have while we're still maintaining the mandatory guidelines that the states and the federal government put in place.
1: Well, thank you. Mm, so very much, good. Look, Jason. thank you, Jason. I appreciate your observation and I appreciate mm. you sharing what your congregation is doing. Um, maybe this will be helpful to other uh, congregations that might be represented listen- in our listening audience today. Look, I'm not opposed to people wearing masks when they gather. Mm-hmm. I'm not opposed to that. I'm not opposed to people wearing gloves. I'm not opposed to any of the measures that we have come to expect um, to be present among essential workers. Right. Yeah. But look, I'm going to tell you. The man of God who labors in the Word of God, um, the elders who are in intercession and prayer, and 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 the deacons—you know—all of these people who are vital and uh, to the health of the church. Um, l- let me say this: they're essential workers. Yeah. All right. And I'm not trying to be pious. I'm not. No, I'm not. Try- I'm just right. saying, guys, <laughs> don't let this time right here cripple our discernment. Don't don't start to think. Well, you know, if I, if I could, if I could get an online pastor, you know, mm. I mean, mm. all right. we'll <laughs> the great. Where do we go next?
2: Let's go to uh, Jay in Tennessee. Hi, Jay.
4: Hey, Will. Hey, Miki. How are y'all? Doing good.
1: Hey, how are you?
4: I'm great. Y'all have the best show on uh, AFR. I love you guys a lot. Oh, Thank you make me
1: want to snork. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that's good. <I'm... laughs>
4: hey, uh, I totally agree with you guys. Um, that uh, we do need to be meeting as, as as the body of Christ together on the Lord's Day and, and not forsake it. Um, I do understand that some governors or mayors have um, outlawed it and banned it, and I can understand that churches uh, want to not meet under those circumstances. I think the governor should not um, forbid it, um, but we ought to uh, obey them if they do. Um, thankfully, the state of Tennessee, the governor has uh, rightly seen that church is essential, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, has left that up to um, the elders. I just wish <laughs> the elders um, would would take that to heart and mm. um, meet and not forsake mm. uh, meeting together. That's a good point. You know, the church ought to have a higher standard um, for the care of their fellow man uh, yes. than the government. Oh,
1: and, oh man. Um,
4: It's far, far more important that God's people meet together to worship and glorify God um, than to not, and they need to be together um, to do that. I can't help but um, have an image of God in heaven, uh, and he's trying to listen to the people together worshiping, but he's not hearing anything. He's only hearing silence Mm. um, from the gathered people of God. Um, We need to be together together.
2: Well, thank, thank
4: and Jay, you, Jay. Jay, thank
1: you so much for your insight, and I, I appreciate your perspective there. I mean, that was something, and I, I, I was trying to um, solidify that quote from Jay in my mind when, and I'm paraphrasing here, mm-hmm. but what he just said about the church needing to have, you know, we the believers, pastors and elders, and needing to have a higher view of the um, essential nature of the church more mm-hmm. so than the government. And, and that's you the know? thing, when
2: the government, it, or the governors or mayors, whatever, are saying that churches are essential, Mm-hmm. I would have to look at the pastor. So why not strategize on how to meet under the guidelines, yeah. you know, and not just, you know, cancel it all up, you know, yeah. I don't know. That's, that's look, one of those things.
1: And in, in the interest of full disclosure, look, I'm grateful for you and Abraham Hamilton III and, and what you guys are doing with our fellowship. I have to tell you in the beginning, I was kind of like, I don't know, how's this all going to work? I wasn't sure. Um, but the more we pray and the more we continue to stay rooted and grounded in the scriptures, Man, I'm like, yeah, man, the believers, because we're encouraged, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah, it's time. not its not just for us to hear a word that encourages us. It is for us to encourage one another. Amen. I want people to understand that there are so many one another's and each other's that pertain to the body of Christ that we cannot neglect. Let's try to squeeze in one more call, Will the Great. Okay,
2: let's go to Carol. Uh, hi, Carol.
1: Hey, Will and Mickey.
2: Hello.
5: Uh, I'll try to be brief, but I'm really excited, and I was fired up when I heard your question because I definitely have an opinion on this, but, you know, our church, we do have a lot of older congregants that come, Mm -hmm. and I just can't even imagine the weight that our pastor uh, Mm -hmm. having to make a decision about Mm -hmm. whether we meet or don't meet, because, you know, if someone does get ill, that's on him, or he feels like that's on him, Mm -hmm. but... uh, we have such a talented group of people in our church, and we said, "Okay, if we can't meet, what can we do?" Mm-hmm. And we had never gone live on uh, on our services, but we started a live stream on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And here's here's the exciting part: we had a, it is live, and people can put their prayer requests right on there, so everyone's seeing it and can react on it. But we had some people telling us they hadn't been to church in years. You know, we we only thought the few people from our church would be watching this live stream, but we had people that we did not know that tuned in to see it, and mm. uh, uh, they're being reached, and they're saying, That's I'm great. opening my Bible for the first time in years. So this is so exciting, this unintended consequence from not Carol. being able to meet, and we also
1: That is great. I'm sorry to jump in. We've come down just 15 seconds left in the show. That is great. And, man, I have a a point I'd like to make, but we don't have time. Until Monday, (laughs) Lord willing.
2: God bless.